Welcome to the Healthy Underline Podcast. In today's episode, I will talk about six of the 12 health areas that I use to look at our lives holistically. I will give you a little insight about each of the six for you to get a better understanding of what is meant by each and how it actually affects your health and well-being. In one of the previous episodes, I talked about holistic health and I gave you a little introduction of what it means and how I use the term and how it's generally used as well. And I also mentioned that I split our life into 12 topics, 12 health areas to make it a bit more bite-sized and approachable for us to look at our lives and see how we can improve them and where we might not feel like where we want to be and ideally finding out what is holding us back to do it. You will come across the principle of holistic living, of looking at your life in its entirety over and over again when you learn more about health and self-improvement and it is something that I will bring up again and again as well because it's such a crucial and important point if you want to live a healthy and aligned life. So for me it's the key to do that but also I think it's also very important to look at your life from a zoomed out perspective to not obsess about one particular part of your health or life. I guess you know how obsessing on one part like your body, fitness or nutrition as examples can lead to very unhealthy and restrictive lifestyle choices and when we want to live a healthy and aligned life that also means a joyful free-flowing life with ease. So for me, understanding how the different areas of my life interact with and influence each other is the hotel card that opens the door to a beautiful room, the one you always wanted to book and only dare to think about it when you close your eyes and forget about your limitations. So to me, this is the most important part and I can't wait to go on this journey with you. To make it a bit more manageable and reduce the potential overwhelm that can come over us when we think about everything in our life. So let's just take a look at these 12 areas one by one. Over the next year, I will dive deep into each of these topics, but I'll tell you a bit more about that at the end of the podcast. The podcast is split into two parts. As I said earlier, today I'll introduce you to the first six and the next podcast will be on the other six. There is no particular order for these. They are not sorted by importance or impact on your health. In and of themselves, they are all equally important, even though some of the topics are more talked about in the context of health than others. But in my book, they're all essential and a low or a high in each can have a tremendous impact on all the other areas. So let's get started. The first health area is growth, growth mindset. And that is our attitude towards expansion and learning. And with that, it's also an indicator of our transformation. We grow all the time. 
in all directions with everything new that we do see experience we grow a little bit every time you're trying a new recipe you learn a new word you find yourself in a social situation you've never been in before heck even when you watch a documentary on a new topic so basically i think growth is inevitable whether you're looking for it or not however and here comes the catch The way you think about your own capacity, about how much you're able to learn, influences your growth. There is a concept which is coined and promoted by Carol Dweck called growth mindset. And this growth mindset demonstrates that when you believe that you are not capable of growing or that there are specific topics you are not good at, it impacts your ability to actually improve in those areas. And a simple way to check your own growth mindset is whether you think that there is something that you just cannot do or if it's something that you cannot do yet. And I repeat, is it something that you just cannot do or is it something you cannot do just yet? You know, when I was in primary school, I was a typical case of a good student who is proficient in languages and arts And so consequently, I wasn't good in maths. I basically learned from an early age that I'm not good at basic arithmetic. Somehow this belief has lasted for the better part of my life. So I wasn't good at geometry, at algebra. During my studies, it was statistics and finance. During my corporate work life, it was budgeting, forecasting, accounting. And I lived with the belief that I'm not good with numbers in whatever form or shape they come. And that has influenced my life and my life choices. It's what I believe to be a truth about myself. Like in the sense of that's just how I am. I'm just not good with numbers. And by the way that I tell the story, you can probably tell what happened next. I started to investigate my own limiting beliefs in life. I wrote down everything that came to mind and not being good with numbers was one of them. And I solved it. I'm actually pretty good with numbers. I had to learn a thing or two and worked on reprogramming this belief of mine. But yeah, here I am, an entrepreneur with several investment plans, doing my own accounting and financial decisions. And I feel great about it. There are few things more empowering than realizing I can do something which I was convinced of I could never be good at. And I hope that this example shows how the way you think about your growth, horizons and limitations can influence your entire life. And with that, of course, also your transformation. To design your life the way you want it to be and realize that you're not just the way you are, Your growth mindset is the barometer of how much you actually allow yourself to change. The second health area I would like to talk about is your home. And maybe this topic surprises you in this context, but your home is the incubator of your dreams. And it is up to you to create a home that nourishes you and your goals. Our homes are as one-of-a-kind as you are. No two homes are alike. And your home tells a lot about who you are, what you value, and where you put your focus. The style and design of your house is usually the most obvious aspect we see, but it's 
for sure not all. Whatever style you prefer is an extension of your personality. For me, personally, it's so much fun to design and style my home. Aesthetics are also super important to me and something I value a lot. For other people, it might be more important that their home is super comfortable or it's filled with memorabilia of travels or presents from grandchildren. And while I might get nervous in a home that is packed with decoration, others feel super inspired by it. But there's more to your home than just the way it looks. The most important question to me is always, always, does my home environment set me up to achieve my goals? For example, you want to finish your studies, but the only place where you can put your laptop and study material is your dining table. So every time you sit down you and you want to learn and study, you have to clear the table first, get your material, try not to get distracted by everything else that is around you. And once you're done, you do the same thing backwards. You clear the table again from your study materials, put everything away, and you redo your dining table again. And this home is just not supportive of the goal to finish your studies. Another example would be that you decided that you want to cook at home more. Instead of ordering food all the time, you want to eat more home-cooked meals. Your kitchen is a mess though. The cupboards are filled to the rim and if you want to take out a pan, you need to take out another pan and two pots first. Also your plates and bowls are from your mom's old tableware. And yes, they're still kind of good, but you actually think they're boring and not as colorful as you are. Again, you can probably tell that this kitchen won't invite you to cook more and enjoy spending time there and creating fun and healthy dishes. So there's just two examples of what I mean when I say your home is here to support your goals. And then there is one other undeniable influence of your home on your health. And that is how you feel in it emotionally. Just because we grow up and live in a place doesn't mean that it feels home to us. Your home is your sanctuary where you can always be 100% yourself. You don't need to be anyone else. You feel safe, you feel protected, you can relax and unwind, you can find inspiration, you can get activated if that's what you want. And the question is, what is it that allows you to feel this way in your home? And it's something that only you have the answer for. Is it the people you live with, the district of your place, the security at your front door, your neighbors, and so on? You know best what you need to feel safe and secure at home. So that's just a quick introduction to the topic of your home environment. And I hope that now it has become clearer how important it is to feel good in your home and have a supportive place to actually live your dream life. Next up is money. Oh, money. It's such a loaded topic, especially since it's a topic that is mostly not talked openly about. Or if it's mentioned, it's often in a negative way, as in resentment towards those who have it, or how there's never enough money. And yes, I 
strongly believe that money is also a health topic. If you ever had financial trouble, you know 100% what I mean when I say that it can make you sick. Constant worry and hopelessness, it kills your appetite, it can manifest in your body as physical symptoms, it just steals your general joy for life. But while money cannot buy happiness, I mean, just ask the super rich on how happy they really are because they're super rich, um, financial abundance can finance your dream life though. So unless you dream of living in a cave in the Himalayas, you will need money to live. And if you want to live in that ocean mansion on Maui, anyone else, it needs to be bought with money. Your relationship with money is most probably informed by how your caretakers thought about it. So if you want to know how open you are to having more money, check your parents. What was the sentence they used to say most when the topic was on money? What are the idioms you learned about rich people? How about more money, more problems? Or the rich get richer, the poor get poorer? Or, oh, you need money to make money. The thing is that the majority of us don't ever learn how to actually deal with money in school or how to invest in alignment with your values or even the basics of personal budgeting and finance. So we kind of learn it on the fly, deal with the problems when they show up and show an overall negligence with our monthly personal finance. Talking and thinking about money might be uncomfortable for you and especially when the person you're talking to is more financially literate. When I'm in this situation, I immediately feel stupid when I only understand half of the words they use, so I'd rather not have that conversation. For me, though, once I started to work on my money mindset, I uncovered so many beliefs I had that were actually not about money, but they expressed themselves in this context. One was when I saw that someone online would use a, in my eyes, high price for an online course or a workshop or online service, I would immediately get angry at them, thinking, who do you think you are? Why would you, why would you ask that price for a simple online course? Or I think it's a ripoff and, oh, people can make money with everything these days. Like those were the sentences I used. And I learned that that actually had nothing to do with the actual price. It had nothing to do with the qualification of these people. It was all about how I perceive my own value and the value of my own work as well. So I worked on that and now it doesn't trigger me anymore. I see it if it's a high price or I think it's a high price. All I can think of is good for you. I'm happy for you. You value your own work and I applaud you you know so that was a 100 degree u-turn for me from going to get triggered by seeing it to now celebrating the creators next up is nutrition and don't worry I'm not going to tell you which diet is best for you what you should or shouldn't eat I think a diet that is tailored to your needs, to your body and to your lifestyle is your prerequisite to a healthy life though. 
but it's as unique as you are, again, like most of the things. And I'm not here to tell you what is right or wrong for you. Only you can answer that question. So many things have been said about nutrition. What, how, when. And there's so much information out there. And to me, it's absolutely overwhelming. But yet its significance in our health is undeniable. There are a few things that are valid for everyone though. But whatever diet makes you feel good is the diet that makes you feel good, you know, choose that one, follow that one. In general, avoid processed foods, hydrate, hydrate with water, eat your fruits and veggies. And it's all very simple. It sounds very simple. Then I assume I'm not the first person who tells you this. You already know this. But as simple as it sounds, it's not always very simple to do. And I had my own struggles with this and as it is for many people, nutrition was such an important change factor in my life. It was basically the first time that I noticed how my choices actually influence how I feel and how I live my life. Focusing on my nutrition, focusing on my diet, being more in tune with my body to realize what works and what doesn't for me the timing of when I eat is super important, for example. And this entire experience was just so empowering. It just opened my eyes to what I can do, how much in charge I actually am of my life. Now on to number five. It's purpose. I love talking about purpose. I find it so fascinating how... Everyone has a different purpose, which is unique to them. And everything in their life happens to serve this purpose and make them the perfect person to live it. I find it so beautiful and gratifying to also watch other people living in their purpose. The beautiful thing about it is that your purpose is basically your life's mission. The way that you express this mission will change all the time. Your purpose is your why. Why you like certain things and others less. Why you make certain decisions. Why you choose your hobbies and so on. But somehow throughout our lives we forget about it. And we think that our purpose is a job. But my job is simply how I express my purpose. So let me explain with an example. My purpose is to help others understand how amazing they are and support them to become even better. I'm your hype person. Throughout my life, this has expressed in a vast variety of activities and jobs. I actually used to be a cheerleader when I was young. And the job of a cheerleader is to cheer for their team so they can do a good job and win. I used to work in personal development for a big corporation. And there my job was to train and develop others so they can do their jobs better and become a better person. Now I'm a coach and my job is to be your cheerleader and guide you and more importantly, 100% believe in you that you have everything it takes to live your best life. So who knows what's next for me? I mean, right now I really enjoy the coaching, but who knows? I might express my purpose in a different way in two years. I'm excited about it. So I'm always open to see how my purpose wants to be expressed and manifested in reality. Another example is that I had a client whose purpose was to speak up for those who don't usually get a voice or they're not heard. 
And her journey went from being a representative for working students and young professionals in the company she worked for. Then she was also very involved in local politics, speaking up for the elderly population in her town. And in her free time, she was a teacher to young kids in her area on how to cook. You know, you can see that there are so many ways how you can express your purpose and that it can change over time. Usually the core though, your mission, it doesn't change. You might get refined over time and you might get more clarity on it, but it stays with you throughout your life pretty much. You can tell, I hope, that I love this topic so much. Um, and I did struggle with it myself a lot, a lot in the past. That's why I actually trained to become a life purpose coach with the Dharma Coaching Institute. So you will for sure hear a lot about this topic in future episodes and also on my Instagram because I just think it's so fascinating. And I see and hear from so many people who do not know what their purpose is. And they put a lot of pressure on themselves to find their purpose and they're kind of stuck. I'm here to get you unstuck in this situation. And on to number six, the last one for this episode, and it's the topic of spirituality. I truly, truly believe that we are spiritual beings and our spiritual practices are like love letters to our souls. And being spiritual doesn't mean that you have to run around in white robes and live in the Himalayan mountains or go to the jungle and experience an ayahuasca ceremony or meditate and chant under the full moon. You know, it can mean that if that's what brings you joy, if that's what you like. Yes, it can mean that, but it doesn't have to. As with everything else that I mentioned, I believe that your spirituality is unique to you. And what works for others might not work for you, or it might not work for you yet. I never considered myself as spiritual, even though looking back, I actually was. Since I can remember, I'm very intuitive on how I live my life and how I make decisions. I'm the type that decides on something based on what my gut tells me. And then after I took that gut decision, I find rational reasons why this was the right decision after the fact of making the decision. So this gut feeling that I always just called gut feeling, my belly, <laughs> my belly tells me, that's what I would say. And this is my intuition. And along the way, I kind of lost connection with it where I might have been influenced also by what others thought would be the right way to live my life. I know those advices mostly came from loving place but the advice we give and the advice we get is always shaped and influenced by our own context experiences our own beliefs i had to take an advice detox for a while that's when i realized that my god has become muted it was just very very quiet and my intuition wasn't as loud and clear as it once used to be so I went on a discovery journey to reconnect with my intuition. This journey opened the door for many spiritual modalities that I experimented with. And today, I love reading about the astrology of our present days and weeks, like what's happening at the moment, and digging deeper into my own birth chart and my human design blueprint, which just blows my mind when I read it. Like 
I feel someone someone out there knows exactly who I am. It's just mind-blowing. <laughs> I also love using tarot and oracle cards. But more importantly, though, those tools and modalities, they're awesome and I really enjoy them. But I change the energy that I move in. I develop those fine antennas for my own frequency as well as how my frequency gets influenced by people around me or by my environment in general. Yes, admittedly, there are many preconceptions, especially here in Germany where I'm located, about spirituality, what type of person is spiritual, and there are generally seen more of an oddball and not to be trusted. Honestly, to this day, this is what makes it difficult for me to talk about my spiritual side with some people that I know that are part of my social circles. And I love those people. I know they love and accept me, yet somehow I don't feel comfortable sharing this part of me. Out of fear to be judged or seen with different eyes, treated differently. And you can tell that it's all a journey. It's something that I am working on, shifting my own belief systems about it, learning how to feel more comfortable, to just be 100% myself in any situation and with any person. And this spiritual journey is really helping me to do this. It's really helping me to be more aligned with myself and have much more clarity with who I am and how I express myself. So those are the first six of the 12 health areas that I use to look at my life and then at your life if you are joining me on this journey. You know, use them as a tool to take a status quo of your current life. The question is, how would you rate yourself in each of these areas? Are you happy with where you are? Or do you feel that there is something that could use improvement? If you enjoy this discussion as much as I do, join my signature program, My Aligned Year. It will start in July and each month we will take a deep dive into one of these health areas for you to set yourself up to live your best life. The program takes place mainly on Instagram, so make sure you follow me at Zen and Green. Then there is my newsletter with additional insights that I don't share anywhere else. The subscription link is in the show notes. And of course, here on the Healthy Underline podcast. So subscribe to the podcast to not miss out on anything. In the next episode, I'll talk about the other six areas. Let me know what you think about these first six that I just introduced to you and how you would rate yourself in each. Send me a message on Instagram at zenandgreen or just send me an email at lisa at zenandgreen.com. Thank you for listening to this episode and I wish you a beautiful day. Bye.